We could just keep watching that. Um, you ever, you ever felt like you were walking on eggshells, trying to please someone or trying to avert maybe their anger or in fear of them and who they are, who they might be and what they might represent? Have you ever, have you ever really desperately just tried to please someone out of fear? Um, kind of, not kind of, directly as to what we just saw there in the film clip. Um, Sometimes we do that with God. And we think we have to walk on eggshells. We think we have to be very careful because he's God. And we don't want to make him mad. And if we make him mad, boom, you know, thunder and lightning will rain down upon us and all the plagues of the Old Testament will come upon me and my family. And uh, it's just kind of a scary thing. I want to talk about that this morning, and it, as you know, if you've gotten one of our cards, we have plenty more back there on this series. It's just the second week of this series that we call Intentional Living. And um, it's um, intentional about understanding God's demands or God's expectations. And really, my theme for practical purposes, which is the subtitle of that, if you have the card, how mad does God get when I screw up? That's really the question, isn't it? I'm walking on eggshells with this. How, how mad does God get when I really mess things up? Um, seems like kind of an odd question, but I think it's one that we really need to think about. And what I want to do, I want to kind of get you to think with me through three basic movements of thought and uh, kind of come to some conclusions through all of that. And hopefully, when you walk out of here, you're going to have a little better understanding about a relationship and what it means to have a relationship with God and the fact that He's not like some father-in-law, or worse, some great ogre in the sky that's out to rain down fire and brimstone upon you. That's not his intention. So I want to just get you to think along those lines with me. And the first thing I want you to think about is this. Um, God doesn't deal with people. Let me say that again. God doesn't deal with his people out of anger. All right? God doesn't deal with his people out of anger. Now, let me... I, a couple of quick clarifications. We might have to get into just a little bit of theology here, and if, I'll kind of pre-warn you for that. Certainly in the Old Testament, we find God in dealing with people sometimes out of anger. And we know different stories. We've, if you've seen some of the movies, that, in some cases accurately, the Ten Commandments is an example, old movie, that, that shows us sometimes how God dealt with Sometimes his people, sometimes other people, just in, in what seemed to be some rage or some kind of, a, some kind of fury, some kind of anger. Right? One of the really cool things about living in the age in which we live is we live in this age of grace, and God doesn't deal with his people any longer that way. Now, I want to I take you to a passage of Scripture. Before, before we do, though, um, I want to just show you something. Um, in the New Testament, we really only have one really classic passage that deals with what we call God's anger. And I want you to see what that is, because it's not, it's not fire and brimstone. It's sort of a, almost a passive thing. And I'll show you what I mean by that. In Romans chapter 1, we see an example of this. God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who push away the truth, who push the truth away from themselves. For the truth of God is known about... Just read through these. I want you just to see this. For the truth of God is known to them instinctively. God has put his knowledge in their hearts. 
From the time the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky and all that God made. They can clearly see His invisible qualities, His eternal power, and divine nature. So they have no excuse whatsoever for not knowing God. Isn't that interesting? Verse 21, yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship Him as God or even give thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. The result was that their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they became utter fools instead. And instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people or birds and animals and snakes. Verse 24, watch this. So God let them go ahead and do whatever shameful things their heart desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things which with each other's bodies. I think it's interesting. God let them go ahead. They're in verse 24 of Romans. If you recall back to verse 18, it says, God shows his anger. How did God show his anger? By letting man do whatever the heck he wanted to do. That was God's wrath. Pulling back from the situation and saying, I'll take the divinity out of this situation and let man deal with himself. And then we have all kinds of perversions and horrible things and people killing each other and people doing horrible things to one another. All the things that, that can happen in the world in which we live. God's anger was letting people do their own thing. I mean, when you think about it, that's, that's, you say, that's not kind of what I thought anger was. That, that's the most classic passage in the New Testament tells us that's the case. Now, make, no, make no mistake about that. There's a time coming. We call the end times when God will certainly deal with injustice and God will judge and He will judge ungodliness and, and there will be some anger at the, at the great, what we call in the Bible, the great white throne, the great white judgment seat of, of God. That's a, a term taken from the book of Revelation. There will be that. But in terms of a relationship, God with His people, key phrase, His people, deals with them never. Never, I'm going to say what the positive in a moment, but deals with them never out of anger. You say, well, I, I, I don't quite understand that because that's not, that's not what I've experienced. Now, I want to take you to another passage in the book of Romans. And it's kind of, it's kind of long. We won't read through it all, but we're going to kind of skim through it. It's in chapter 3. And um, just follow along here with me. because But now God has shown us a different way of being right in His sight. Not by obeying the law, but by, by, the, by the way promised in the Scriptures long ago. We are made right in God's sight when we trust in Jesus Christ to take away our sins. And we all can be saved in the same way, no matter who we are or what we have done. Did you hear that? No matter who we are or what we have done. Verse 23, for all have sinned. Greek, um, the Greek language there, which this was written in originally, gives us what we call a present active tense. And it really means we, not only have we all sinned, we keep on sinning. Present active tense. If you think you were, if you thought you were through with that, sorry. You probably didn't think that anyway, did you? But, uh, hopefully not. Sometimes we lie to ourselves about that. Anyway, keep reading here. For all of sin, keep on sinning, fall short of God's glorious standard, yet now God in His gracious kindness declares us not guilty. He has done this through Jesus Christ, who has freed us, 
watch this, who has freed us by taking away our sins. Now look in verse 25. Here we go. For God sent Jesus to take the punishment of our sins and to satisfy God's anger against us. A few more verses. God took... Isn't that great? God has shown us a different way of being right in His sight. For God sent Jesus to take the punishment of our sins and to satisfy His anger against us. One of the... If you saw that movie, The Passion of the Christ, one of the things... Well, many things I appreciated about it, certainly, and I thought it was very accurate to the Gospels. I even went back... Um, and read a harmony of the Gospels to refresh my memory and went back to see it a second time just to check up on old Mel to make sure he was being true to the Gospels. And he was. Um, But one of the things that I appreciated about it was when Jesus was on the cross and he says, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? You need to understand at that moment in time, for all time, he took all the sins of rich teeters, and, and, and fill in the blank, your name, took all the sins for all time on his shoulders. And God had to look away for just a moment, just a moment. And that's why Jesus said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Because what, what had happened is Jesus carried all my sins on the cross with him. And all your sins and all the world's sins. That's why that was such a, just such a clear, defining point in history. You see, and from then on, God doesn't deal with me or with you. When we trust Him and we're His people, He doesn't deal with us out of anger. He took care of the anger at the cross. He took care of that. And this is huge, folks, because we get people, we get sometimes in, in church and in churches, we get motivated to, to do this or to not do that or to give more or to do this out of, out of, out of fear of God's anger. And I want you to know, that's not in the Bible. It's a very effective way of manipulating people, and it's a very effective way of raising money. But it's not in the Bible. And it's very important for us to understand. That's why I thought we needed just to spend our one whole little talk just talking about that. Just, just think with me for a moment. What are the effects? Some of you know this firsthand. What are the effects of living so as to not make someone mad? We saw a great illustration of that in that film clip from, uh, from uh, what was the name of that movie? I forget. Uh, Meet the Parents. Um, throw his cigarettes on top of the top of the house so dad wouldn't know or future dad-in-law wouldn't know that he smoked. Um, great illustration of that. Here's what happens. Here's what happens when we're worried about making people mad, walking on eggshells. We become people pleasers. Maybe that might ring true with some of you. Um, We become uncomfortable. We lack exuberance. We wonder if we're doing enough. We get on a performance track. I gotta do more. Or I gotta quit doing that other thing less. Whatever it happens to be. Uh, We wonder if we're doing enough. We wonder if we're we're doing too much. We can't be ourselves. We have no freedom. We have no intimacy. We can't let our guard down in a, in a, in a term we lack authenticity, which is why one of the things, one of the many things I love about Renaissance, to explore and to experience authentic faith in the real world. Authenticity, it's just, gosh, 
for something so simple it's so hard to find anywhere, but especially in this thing that we call church. And especially in a person's relationship with God. You can't be authentic because if, you're, if you come honestly before God, he's going to say, you little worm. You know? And yet God doesn't operate that way. Thank God he doesn't operate that way. We'd all be dead. You know? Um, and I'd lead the way. Okay, so that's the first thing I want you to see. Just, just to kind of dwell on it. God doesn't deal with his people out of anger. Second little thought that I want you to think through. God is not about punishing or punishment. God is not about punishing or punishment. Um, and then the question comes up, well, if that's the case, how come bad things happen? How come I have pain? How come I have heartache? How come, how come some of this stuff happens? There is this thing called sin, as it is translated in the English. You know, the word, the term really means missing the mark. Who set the mark? God set the mark. And it's, it's missing the mark. And what happens in that whole thing is this. It, when we miss the mark, the standard that God has given us, it causes death. It causes destruction. It causes damage. It causes disorder. It causes heartache. It causes all kinds of gunk, for lack of a better term. Sorry. It just causes all kinds of stuff. All right? Gosh, it's hard being a salty pastor and not being able to say the words that I want to say. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know it does. It's just, it's just, you think of all the heartache you've experienced, it's because either you or someone around you missed the mark, God's standard. They sinned. And it hurts. And it causes heartache. It causes you to lay awake at night over what in the heck are your kids up to or my parents up to or my siblings or close friend or wife or husband or whatever it happens to be. Well, God tells us what it is and what it looks like, this, this thing called sin, not because he's the great killjoy, but because he knows it will hurt us. And he's looking out for our protection. He says, don't do that. Why? Because I want to, ca- I want to, I want to cause guilt to come upon you? No. Because I, I'm your heavenly father, I'm your creator, that's going to hurt, and I don't want you to hurt. Much like I had to do with both of our kids, and when they were little, we had a, a Franklin stove in our living room. Those things can get really hot, and they're kind of cool, and they have a nice ambiance. Cool in the sense of, you know, not, not literally. And uh, they're just kind of nice to have. And when our kids were small, in particular our oldest, I had them many times say, don't touch the, don't touch the stove, the little fireplace. Oh, why, Daddy? Why? He's one of those kids. All he knew how to say was why. And, of course, you know, because I said, son, I love you, man. I don't want you touching that thing. You're going to take the skin off your finger. Well, you know what happened. Of course, he had to touch it. Then he found out. What do I do? Do I come and say, ah, ha, 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 I told you. No. Not if I'm a loving father. I'm going to come and comfort and try to heal, try to bring some aloe on his little burns or whatever it happens to be. And God's the same way, only more so. I make mistakes. He doesn't. Never has. So... God, through the Bible, makes us aware of sin, not so much that we will feel condemned, not so much that we will feel guilt, we do, but because He loves us. He knows something will hurt us. So He says, don't do that. Now, here's what I want want you to see this. Christ came to teach us and to take... First of all, Christ came to take away our sin. We know that. From a positional standpoint, Christ came to take away my sin, your sin... Died, went to the cross, went to the cross, died, went to the tomb, rose again on the third day to take away my sins. However, all actions have certain consequences. 
And if you do wrong things, certain things happen. And you know, and I've said this before, and I don't mean it with any disrespect, if I'm driving down the road and I run into a telephone pole at 60 miles per hour, there are certain laws of physics that come into play, whether it's Rich Teeters or the Pope of Rome or someone else. I don't mean that disrespectfully. I just mean there are certain laws, certain consequences that happen. It's the same true with, with our actions, the things that we do, lying, stealing, cheating, whatever it happens to be. Maybe a form of that. Maybe to the extreme, maybe not to the extreme. So here, I want to show you a, a passage in Scripture that talks about that a little bit and gives us some understanding of that. It's in Hebrews. It's in chapter 12. And look what he says here. So don't feel sorry for yourselves. <laughs> or have you forgotten how good parents treat children and that God regards you as his children? My dear child, don't shrug off God's discipline. Stop there just for a moment, all right? A couple things I want you to think about this. Number one, the Bible, the Bible assumes that parents will discipline their children. Just a side note. But the Bible assumes that. Okay, just a side note. That. Now, the other thing I want to say about that is this. Discipline, in our, in our terminology, has such a bad connotation. And I, and I really, there's, I looked at, I don't know, 14, 13 different translations of this, trying to find if somebody else translated it differently. The, the, the Greek word is padia. It means instruction. Um, and unfortunately, the only English word we really have that really works is discipline. That's not just my opinion, but the opinion of a whole bunch of different scholars who I read. Um, so just kind of put away the baggage of discipline for a moment, because whenever I think of discipline, I think of two or three things. I think of going to the principal's office, which... You know, my gosh, I'm over 50 years old, and that's still, that's still, I still think about that. I mean, that tells you something about my childhood, right? Um, I, I think of going to the principal's office, or I think of sitting on a chair, um, which was the most effective means that my parents could do for this ADD child that they had. Sit him on the chair and don't let him do anything else. And I just, I mean, they, I would rather have them beaten me within an inch of my life. I would have taken that gladly. As opposed to sitting on a chair and doing nothing. And, you know, 30 minutes seemed like four hours. It was just like, oh my gosh. Anything. Well, that's what I think of. And, and that's, that's not really fair. That was what my, my experience with discipline happens to be. That's not really what this word is talking about. It's talking about instruction. And, and if you read through the rest of this, I think you'll understand what I'm saying. My dear child, don't shrug off God's discipline or teaching, okay, instruction, but don't be crushed by it either. It's the child he loves that he disciplines, the child he embraces, he also corrects. God is educating you. That's good. God is educating you. That's why you must never drop out. He's treating you as dear children. This trouble you're in isn't punishment, it's training. The normal experience for children, only irresponsible parents, here's what I said a moment ago, only irresponsible parents leave their children to fend for themselves. Would you prefer an irresponsible God? We respect our own parents for training and not spoiling us. I hope you're not doing that. Uh, so why not embrace God's training? So we can, so we can truly live. While we were children, our parents did what seemed best to them. And I would interject something here. My parents and I as a parent made mistakes. And I have a, one of my kids here and she can tell you about some of them. 
but she was the perfect child, so I didn't make any mistakes with her. But anyway, just thought I'd throw that in there, just for fun. But God is, God is doing what is best for us. See, he says, parents make mistakes, God doesn't. God's doing what is best for us, training us to live God's holy best all the time. Discipline isn't much fun, and I would say to that, here, here, um, it always feels like it's going against the grain. Boy, it sure does. Later, of course, it pays off handsomely for it's well-trained who find, for it's the well-trained who find themselves mature in their relationship with God. Here's what I want you to see about this from this passage of scripture. God is not about punishment. God doesn't punish. He trains. And I do something wrong and, and, and whatever, God can use that to build me into the person that He wants me to be. And as, I'll play the film clip when the movie comes out. I, I, a, a confession. I went with, um, with the two most important chicks in my life to see a chick flick, okay? My wife and my daughter. And um, we saw that movie 13 going on 30 or whatever that's called. Yeah. Hilarious movie, I mean, for the most part. Uh, the parts that I remember when I wasn't napping. And, um, I mean, you know, I was being a good soldier. And... Uh, and it was fun, but there was one part in that movie, if you saw it, and when it, when it comes out, we'll definitely play this clip, when, when this, this, this girl, Jennifer Garner, um, asked her mom, do you have any regrets? And she said this, and I don't totally agree with her answer, but I thought it was, I liked the spirit of the answer. She says, I don't have really any regrets because even the mistakes that I made have made me part of who I am. Well, you know, that's a good statement. Do I have regrets? <laughs> I could keep you here for another few weeks giving you all my regrets. But I'm grateful that God has even taken my regrets to make me into the person that I am and, and, to, and to build into me some, some things of character that I would never have had probably any other way that I know of. You see, and that's what, that's what this whole thing of, of, of instruction is. and of this, that's, why, that's why God's not about punishment. That's why God doesn't get mad. So if I do something wrong, does something bad happen? Probably because there's the law of physics here that God instituted. Okay, But is it for the purpose of punishment? Is it for the purpose of God raining down fire and brimstone and saying, Ah, 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 Rich, you little worm, I'm going to teach you. No! It's, Rich, I love you. Gosh, I wish you hadn't done that. But you know what? I love you so much. I'm going to take that and use that for something really positive in your life. That's how much God loves me. I remember one time I was going through a hard time, and I'd ask a good friend of mine, I said, you know, if I hadn't gone through this, I wouldn't be where I am right now. I'm just feeling terrible and feeling like, you know, the biggest loser in the world. And my friend said to me, who's very wise and loves God, it's a great understanding of people and of me, and he said, yeah, but you know what? God loves you too much. Oh, that's so true. And sometimes we need to think about that when we're going through some of those things that are just really hard for us. God's showing me his love, even if it is a result of my own stupidity and disobedience. God loves me enough to take these things and just pull them together to teach me. Discipline in the right sense. Padia, Greek word. Instruct me in the right way. That's why Hebrews 12 is just so important there. God's not about punishing or not about punishment. Third movement of thought that I want you to see. And this is, uh, I mean, this is real simple. Third thing. Here we go. Got it? God desires to bless, not blast. 
his children. One of the great, great passages of Scripture is God talking to his people in the Old Testament. They had been disobedient. They had been, they had been in idolatry and, gosh, everything that comes along with that. But still, even then, look what he says to them. It's a passage of Scripture that I've gone to many times. Because it's so comforting to me. Watch this. It's in Jeremiah. And it goes like this. 29. I know what I'm doing. This is God talking. I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you, not abandon you. (laughs) Plans to give you the future you hope for. When you call on me, when you come and pray to me, I'll listen. When you come looking for me, you'll find me. Yes, when you get serious about finding me and want to do more than, and and want, want that more than anything else, I'll make sure you won't be disappointed. God desires to bless you and His people. His desire is never to hurt or to punish or to get retribution or to get revenge. His desire is to bless you. And the cool thing about all this is God blesses us many times, even when we're wrong, when we're disobedient, if we come back to Christ and say, I can't believe I was a part of that. Lord, I need your forgiveness. God is still, when we do that, God blesses us. In ways, now, does that mean we should do it? Does that, does, that give us a, does that give us some sort of a license here to do whatever we want to do? No, because we're not going to want to. Whenever you, whenever you talk about something like this, people always say, well, that just gives me the desire and, and, and the ability to, <coughs> excuse me, to do whatever I want to do. No, because you don't want to do that. Think about that. If you have a parent that you love, if you ever had a boss or some supervisor that you really love, you didn't want to disappoint him because you loved him. So that whole argument, that, that doesn't hold water. That I want to do whatever I want to do. No, I don't. I want to please my Creator, my God, who loves me in spite of myself many times. Let's, um, let's do some, some takeout food here, just to kind of wrap all this up, all right? A little takeout food for thought. First thing is this. <clears throat> God makes love, not war. Yeah, it's my 60s coming out in me, all right? Um, and you can't make him mad anymore. If I were to be real crude, I would say something like this. God ain't mad no more. And that's a double negative. That's how strong it is. <coughs> that's, uh, excuse me. You can't make him mad any longer. God deals with you out of love, not out of anger. Remember that. Remember that next time you're going through something that's really hard. Hey, God's not breathing down fire and brimstone. He's showing me his love, and he's going to take these things in my life and move me in a way, and direct me in a way that's going to be best for me. That's so encouraging. Second thing I want you to see in terms of take out food for thought. Second thing, God always deals with you out of love. Always. I would like to think, as a parent, I've always done that, but you know what? All of us, are par- all of us who are parents are imperfect, and sometimes we've made mistakes. God never does. Never, because he's God. God always deals with you out of love. And, and, and the third thing, which really brings us all together, <clears throat> this truth stimulates freedom and authenticity. One of the things, and some of you who know me very well know that I hate rules. And there's a lot of reasons for that. But one of the things I hate about rules is because having been raised in, in church and gone to a theological institution that had a few rules and and so forth and so on. I, I've just seen so many people look to rules to make them righteous. And they don't. 
And, and, and one of the things that's so important for us to understand in our relationship with God, it's not about rules. It's really not. Because rules implies if I break the rules, I make someone mad. That's why I don't like rules. And you know what? God doesn't get mad. Now, do we have standards? Sure, we do, of course. Do we have principles? Absolutely. Do we have, you know, levels of integrity that we should hold? Absolutely, and I understand that. But the whole point here that I want you to see and that I really don't want you to miss, it's so important, is God doesn't deal with that based on whether we break His rules or not. We shouldn't, because if we do, it's going to hurt us, and it's going to hurt Him. But He still deals with us out of love even then. And that's the important thing for us to understand. That gives me great freedom. I don't have to walk on eggshells. I can get alone with God and I can say, God, you know what? This situation really stinks. And I don't like this. And I'm not afraid to talk to God about things. He knows my heart anyway. Duh. You know? I'm going to keep something. I'm going to hide something from God. We live like that sometimes. We can't because he's God. And when we understand this truth, it stimulates a great freedom. And a great authenticity to be who we are. And not to be worried about fear and, and trepidation and fire and brimstone and all those stuff that can come. So, so take that with you. Yeah, God is about love. God is about dealing with you in a just way. Yeah. But he doesn't deal with you out of anger. And he takes all those things to use them for your, for your, for your benefit, for your good. He always deals with us out of love. And that stimulates a great freedom and a great authenticity. And that's, that's, grab hold of that. Don't miss that, please. Let's pray together. Lord, these are, uh, gosh, these are important truths, Lord. And I don't want, I don't want anyone here to miss anything. I could just keep going and talk and talk and talk because so many people are living their lives and their relationships with you out of fear and out of anger and, worried about stimulating anger with you. Lord, we know you love us. We know you have a way for us to live. We know that there's a wrong way to live. And that when we do that, that's terrible. And we pay the price. And we di- and, and certainly, we can disappoint you. But Lord, even in that, you still deal with us out of love. Help us to have that attitude. Help us to understand, God, that you love us dearly and you love us in spite of ourselves and that you're going to even take, even sometimes those things that we do that are wrong and still use those things to teach us for our benefit in a positive manner. Lord, I, I, I thank you for that. Some of us here, some of us here, Lord, maybe that's, new, that's news too. There's a time coming when, when that final judgment seat when certainly there will be justice dealt out. There will be, uh, we will see at that time, your anger against injustice and, and wrongdoing and all the things that are wrong. But Lord, for those of us who know you and have a relationship with you, we will only experience in our own lives what it means to have a relationship with a loving, eternal, almighty, powerful God. For some of us, We need to stop and thank you, Lord, that we have an opportunity to have a relationship with you. There might be some here who might need to say, Lord, right here, right now, I want to trust you. I want to put my trust in what Jesus did and just give my life to you. You can do that right where you're sitting. For the rest of us, Lord, we pray that we would be sensitive. We would be just uh, 
quickened our spirits, made alive to the teaching, the things that you're laying on our heart and on our mind. And we thank you for that, Lord. And we pray that uh, we would indeed uh, be in the place where you move us in our hearts and in our lives. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.